0: we always have that base and it's not as scary to grow anymore because we know that we there are going to be phases of our life which we have encountered already multiple times that we are not compatible and that we don't work well together and our purpose in those moments is not to try to you know get it back to being all romance lovey-dovey passion whatever our role in that moment is to give each other the gift of grace and say I know that we are always bonded and that we are always supportive of one another and we have no malicious intent.
1: So grow whatever way you need to grow and we'll figure it out. It might not be pretty. Welcome to Normalizing Non-Monogamy the podcast where we interview incredible people from across the entire spectrum of non-monogamy to hear their fascinating stories. We strive to bring guests on the show who have a healthy approach to non-monogamy. However, it's important to remember that everyone does it a little bit differently and the views and opinions expressed by our guests do not necessarily reflect our own.
2: Additionally, we produce this show for entertainment purposes only. Please be aware that we aren't doctors or therapists. Consult a medical professional for anything regarding your health that you might learn about on the show. Enjoy.
1: Welcome to episode three hundred. We're Finn and Emma, and we are so excited about episode three hundred today. Right?
2: I am. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You came. You came in hot with enthusiasm, and I wasn't ready. I'm waiting for. <laughs> I'm
1: waiting for the backup enthusiasm.
2: I'm a backup enthusiast.
1: <laughs> <laughs> anyway, today is episode three hundred. We can't quite believe that this has been here
2: 300 episodes i know i
1: was like (laughs) we can't quite we didn't
2: even know it was coming as we counted up to it (laughs)
1: let me me try again let
2: me try again (laughs) nope we're just going with it
1: we can't quite believe that it's been over five years and and we made it to episode 300 it would not have been possible without all of you
2: yeah i think we we wanted to throw a few thank yous out there too first of all yeah 300 episodes that's at least 300 guests it's actually over 400 almost 500 guests at this point and just thank you to anybody who's ever come on the show and shared your story this this podcast really rides on your your stories and your contributions so thank you
1: yeah it wouldn't it wouldn't be possible without you
2: nope it would just be us doing really long intros and outros and i don't think anybody would stick around (laughs)
1: We also wanted to thank all of the collaborators that we've worked with over the years. We've been on almost 30 other podcasts and just we're incredibly grateful for all of you as well.
2: Yeah, and the last shout out is a huge bucket of love and thank yous to our virtual community. Our community, they're not just virtual, they're in person. We've actually met so many of these people in person all over the world. And we are just eternally grateful to all of you for not not just showing up and supporting our work financially through the monthly contribution to the community, but by supporting one another and supporting us emotionally and just with all of the challenges that go with navigating non-monogamy or even monogamy. It's not just a non-monogamous community. It's a community of people helping people. And we're just really, really, really grateful to all of you.
1: We do feel like we have a community with a podcast these days, but both are amazing. And I also wanted just a quick shout out to all of you listeners out there and anyone else who is in the non-monogamy, normalizing non-monogamy world in our world. We're so grateful for you. And this podcast, again, wouldn't be possible without all of you listening and sharing, sharing with everyone else.
2: Yeah. So thank you. That's to all of you who are listening. Even if this is your very first episode, you're in for a doozy and you've got <laughs> 299 other ones to go listen to. And we're glad you're here as well.
1: We do have a couple of exciting new changes coming up with the podcast and our community. However, we're not quite ready to roll all of them out yet. So be stay tuned. I was like, be in touch. But that doesn't make sense. Be in touch. <laughs> stay tuned. You, stay just, tuned. you
2: just sit in your car. <laughs> and we will we will come tell you when we're ready. <laughs> Stay
1: tuned for more information very soon. However, I do want to make it very clear, we do want to make it very clear, that this podcast, this weekly podcast interview will not be changing format at all. We're going to be keeping this exactly the same.
2: But we might be adding a few things.
1: Right. That's not I mean. We're going to be adding things. But this... Yeah. Episode like these weekly episodes are not changing. Point taken. Yes.
2: Yeah. And I know we also teased some new music last week that was potentially going to be this week. As you've already heard, we didn't do that.
1: It did not happen,
2: but it is still coming and we are super excited for it. And yeah, just letting you know it's not off of our radar, it's on the radar and it's coming.
1: So thank you, everyone. We're celebrating episode 300 and we're rocking and rolling and ready for the next 300.
2: And so to celebrate. 300 episodes we brought back for the third time chloe and drew
1: yes we didn't even say this week we are talking to chloe and drew this is actually round three this is the third time they've been on the podcast we talked with them first back in october of 2019 almost four years ago on episode 89 and then we talked to them again almost a year after that november 2020 episode 156
2: Yeah. So we've had almost four years of history of talking to these two and seeing how their relationship has changed. And again, you don't need to have listened to parts one and parts two, part one and part two, to get a lot out of this. Actually, this conversation doesn't even really talk about non-monogamy that much. It is about just life and and relationships relationships relating to others and the work. I think a lot of it is the work that these two have done. And I I love how much and how many times they remind us all how hard it is, how much they screw it up still, and how much work it is to get to where they are. But I hope you can really see and feel, I don't know, the love, the way that these two move through the world. And when you go back and you listen to that first episode to this one, it's night and day yeah it's amazing yeah so we're
1: incredibly grateful to Chloe and Drew for coming on and sharing everything that they did we love this conversation and we know that you will too
2: yeah and so with that we're going to jump into the interview for anybody who is a premium subscriber and for those of you who aren't we just have a couple of really quick announcements because we've already talked a lot
1: yes First up, if you're not familiar with the premium subscription, it's a way to skip these announcements up front, jump right into the interview, but don't worry, you still get important dates in the outro. To sign up, go to our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com, and just scroll down on the homepage, and you'll find links there.
2: The next thing we wanted to mention was, once again, our virtual community, or our community that we've been building, the community with a podcast, if you will, and... I know we teased it earlier, but if you want to be part of the episode 400, thank yous for the community. We highly recommend you check it out now. It's five bucks a month. It is close to 300 members from all over the world who show up and support each other all day, every day. So nobody gets to feel alone anymore in that community. We do a monthly video Q and A. We do monthly men's and women's groups. We're also launching weekly support groups, peer support groups as well. We have been doing the month or I'm sorry. The weekly men's group since October. Emma launched the weekly women's group earlier in July. We are working to fill up a non uh a gender inclusive group and another men's group. So there are links on our website, normalizing non-monogamy.com Go under the community tab and you'll see two options there. One for the weekly group and one for to join the community. And just to be clear, the weekly groups are still part of the normal community. They're just a little bit extra, a little bit bonus.
1: They're additional. Yes. And last but not least, a quick shout out to our favorite way to get tested for STIs, stdcheck.com. You can use the links on our webpage for $10 off, making a ten panel test only $129. Also using the links on our on the webpage support the show, which we really 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 appreciate. stdcheck.com is simple and quick and discreet. We highly encourage you try it out. It's the way Finn and I get Tested and we love it.
2: Yeah, we've been using it for a long time, and we've been partnering with STD Check for almost the entirety of our podcast. And just another huge thank you to anybody who's used the links in the past. That financial support is huge and helps us keep putting this content out every week. So helps you, helps us, and helps everybody.
1: And with that, a, a final reminder: reach out to us, send us a voicemail, send us an email. You can find all of that on our website under the Contact Us button. And now
2: Oh, those S T D check links, they're under the resources tab. Yeah. Or in your podcast player.
1: Yeah. I all trusted right. they find could find I, them.
2: I trusted <laughs> them too, clearly. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's all good. It's a good reminder.
2: All right, here we go. Let's go talk to Chloe and Drew for the third time, but definitely not the last. Let's go. You wanna do it?
1: <laughs> uh, I'm excited for this one.
2: i I am too.
1: Episode 300, by the way. Yeah. That's a Yay. pretty exciting Whoa. milestone. A milestone.
2: Yeah. And, and what was fun is the last time we talked was almost half of our life ago. One, one, episode 156 was the last time we talked.
0: Yes. So we're real close. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> so welcome back to the podcast, Chloe and Drew. We're excited to get an update. It's been almost three years, two and a half years since we've talked to you. And this is like the third, the third time too. So thank you so much for agreeing and and wanting to come back and share. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having us.
2: Yeah, we're, we are excited to catch. We've been talking, catching up for a few minutes and we said, you know what? We need to hit record because these are updates we need to get. So maybe before we get all of the updates, could you introduce yourselves and then give us the two to three minute overview of your relationship, your relationship until (laughs) this point that we may be covered in the last two episodes for anybody who didn't go back and listen, even though they should have.
3: Yeah, that's a great question. So uh, we're Chloe and Drew um, and uh, very grateful to have a third opportunity to come back and share and, Uh, A lot has changed, uh, I think, for all of us, especially in the last two and a half years. I think everybody can probably (laughs) uh, relate to that in some way, right, with COVID and all the changes and so forth and what that impact had on everyone, but uh, us specifically, just in terms of our growth and relationships and, and where things have been.
0: Yeah. Uh let's see. Okay, two to three minute overview of our relationship.
3: Roughly. You can you
2: can bend it a little <laughs> bit, Chloe. <laughs> Here we go. Uh
0: speed version. We met in high school, my first day of freshman year of high school, and uh started dating a year later. Got married a couple of years after that, right out of high school, had uh Lots of growing pains when, especially like growing into adulthood together, and after our daughter died, we grieved separately a lot. And there was emotional infidelity on my part, there was a lot of neglect towards our relationship on Drew's on part, my part. And we worked through that and talked about the opportunity to do ethical non monogamy. We discussed it for about two years, and then we decided to pull the trigger, had a really rocky entry into it. We still tried to figure out exactly what we wanted to do versus swinger, poly, what all these labels mean. And the last time we had talked to you guys we were no the two time the first time we talked to you guys was after we moved to colorado and we're starting to explore again and had the orgy story <laughs> um, <laughs> from, on the the last, from the last episode yeah, yeah. and <laughs> Last time we talked to you guys two and a half years ago, we were in a much better place than we were the first time. However, I would say that even at that point, like now, to from then to now, it feels like a a very different relationship and experience that we've worked through.
3: Yeah, we've definitely done a lot of growing, um, (laughs) especially since we moved to Colorado. But I mean, even Even again since the last, yeah, the last two years have. Made, we've made a lot of changes in how we communicate and how we speak to each other. Um, we have really worked on um, setting a lot of hard boundaries and moving the uh, moving our relationship in, in what we believe to be a much healthier uh, direction, thankfully enough. Yeah, Yeah.
0: I think I want to elaborate if you don't mind on the hard boundaries. I think we learn the difference between rules and boundaries, and I think we're able to identify in ourselves what we wanted for our own individual boundaries and our couples boundaries for sure.
2: Yeah, I love that, and I would—I mean, that's a juicy place to start, but maybe it's a great place to start because, (laughs) well, because I think it's so that that distinction between a rule versus a boundary and what they mean for each of you. I I feel like that is foundational. If we if we could all come to our partnerships understanding, even just the difference between those two, holy shit, would life be a little bit easier? Right? And, and so <laughs> maybe that's a good place to start. Like, what what does that look like for you two? Or maybe what is the difference—a rule versus a boundary—for each of you where you are today?
0: Do you want me to take this one? Okay. So a rule for us is trying to have your partner take responsibility for your emotions. For instance, jealousy. A rule would be I'm experiencing an uncomfortable emotion, so you can't talk to her anymore. That's to protect and make you responsible for my emotions versus a boundary is if you choose to do X, to talk to this person, I am going to need to take some time to go through those big emotions and take responsibility for my own emotions. It's not putting that on your partner. It's taking full responsibility and realizing the only person in that relationship that you have control over is yourself and respecting and holding them accountable to holding or to doing that for themselves as well.
3: I would also offer... To each individual couple is going to have their own Definition. definitions. So, you know, what we think or say as a is the differentiation between a boundary and a rule um, may be different for um, everybody.
2: No, I love it. And I, I think that's a great a great I don't know, disclaimer, caveat to that. But I I think it's huge. And and you you two touched on this in some of your in our previous conversations around Again, so keeping a high level for people who haven't listened, but some ultimatums around, hey, we need to figure this out because this isn't working and or you can't do this. I'm not comfortable with you doing that. And that's a big shift to where you are today. Of, I, I, I think I started to pick up on some of the shifts in the last conversation of, mm-hmm. you know, I'm going to, it was a little rougher, a little more uh, hard edges on it, but like, I'm going to do what I want and you don't control me. And yeah, I don't control you. We're all individuals. But there's a lot of nuance in there that, right, it's, I'm responsible, right? If, if I'm feeling jealous, I can let you know. And maybe that means I need to go for a walk or maybe, who knows, maybe I need to go stay in a hotel for two nights. I don't know what it is, but that's a very different approach than, well, you need to cut that person from your life because I'm struggling. And, and so those can often overlap or feel like rules or ultimatums, but it's really owning your own reactions.
3: Absolutely. Taking accountability right? And how each of us deals with emotions based on the emotions that are presented to us by each other, if that makes sense, right? Where if there are uh, feelings of jealousy, that's a very personal, that's a very selfish type of-
0: uh, I wouldn't say selfish.
3: Yeah, that's a good point. Not selfish specifically, but that's a very self-driven emotion. Uh, yeah. yeah, much better. Uh, it's, it's a very self-driven uh, emotion that is coming from a place inside of your emotion that is weak or vulnerable, not weak, uh, vulnerable, I think it'd be, it's
0: an insecurity, an insecurity. It's a past trauma trying to mm-hmm. teach you. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: So taking yeah. accountability for that, I think is, is very important and a huge piece of what it is that we had to learn to do together and are still learning, of course. Right. As we, as we grow.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I think what's, uh, you know, some nuance in that, and just you know, even around jealousy or, or any of these topics, that doesn't mean your partner can't say, "Oh wow, okay, you're feeling a lot of jealousy." You know what? I can back off on that, right? Maybe mm-hmm. I don't need to talk to her tonight, or I don't need to do this. So you can still have that care, but it's not the 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 rule or the expectation is in place.
0: I would say for us, it's not a showstopper anymore. It's mm-hmm. an Understanding. I think one of the biggest things for Drew and I is, again, that accountability. And when you have a nervous system reaction, before you learn how to really understand and deal with those, you go through a phase where big emotions of any kind feel overwhelming and you can't really control them versus once you understand what's happening in your body and you can give empathy to that piece of you and that younger version and listen to it and learn from it, I think that it allows for a lot safer of conversation, more secure conversation, respectful. So for instance, Drew is avoidantly attached and I am anxiously attached. And so when we used to disagree on something, I would be like, love me, love me, love me. Like, show me you still care. And he would be like, get the fuck away from me. I just need my space. (laughs) I want
3: my space. Leave me alone.
0: (laughs) And, and which again would trigger me more to be like, no, 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 come closer, which would then trigger him more to push me away. And it was a vicious cycle. And that's something that we still work through, but now we have plans in place and understand what's happening in our body and give that piece of us grace. We're not shutting it down. We're not saying we're not going to talk about it. We might need to say, as we did last night with an uncomfortable topic, Hey, um, I am doing some work internally and I would like to set a timeline of one month from now us to follow up. So that way Chloe's not nagging Drew going, okay, when are we going to talk about this? Are you still thinking about this? Is it still on our radar? What are we going to do? And then Drew being like, stop nagging me shut the fuck up <laughs> but but I know in one month we are going to have a conversation and that doesn't mean that we're going to resolve it in one month it means that I can depend and I can quiet my anxiety by saying I know he is going to come back to me and wants to work through this with me and he knows that he can take that space without feeling like when is she going to bring this up at the worst time
3: mm-hmm. and yeah. having that having that plan and setting the
0: Expectation Uh, expectation
3: is something that we continue to still work on today, even oh for fucking
0: (laughs) sure, and
3: and and that's it's almost clinical, right? Where we have a conversation, you sit down with your, you know, your your partner or individual or whomever you're with, and and really defining what that looks like, right? To say, okay, when this happens. Almost guaranteed. I'm going to go take a shower. I'm. I need. going to have a nervous system I'm response. I'm going to go somewhere.
0: This is my plan for handling.
3: Exactly, mm-hmm. and, and the, having the opportunity for both of you to know and to believe in that plan, if, if anything, to have the expectation of, no matter what, there is stability. Right. Execute the plan. There's a plan. It's not just madness, if that makes sense. And
0: it it gives both of those attachment styles and the other attachment styles as well an opportunity to figure out what works and doesn't for them and adjust as necessary. I swear, our house sounds like a damn therapy household with our kids and everything because... Even just the other day, we were packing for them to go to their grandparents, and I didn't feel like I was being heard while I was packing for our daughters. So I stopped and said, hey, guys, I am having some big emotions right now, and I would like your attention. And both Drew and and our daughters paused and gave me their full attention. And I said, right now I'm feeling feelings of underappreciation. I'm feeling taken for granted. And it it feels really heavy in this moment to me. And I wanted to share that with you. And our five-year-old said, okay, mom, what does support look like to you in this moment? Again, it sounds clinical, but our daughters have that already at five and eight. And we use that with each other too. What does support look like in this moment to you? So you know, if you're listening, you know, if your solution like oriented, you know, if truly you're just there to cry it out. And one other thing that goes with that, that Drew and I've worked on heavily is unspoken expectations and I can't say to him, you know, (laughs) go, can you go take this laundry downstairs and put it in the wash? And he goes, sure. And he goes and does it. And um, then I come downstairs and I see it in the wash and I'm upset. Why am I upset? Because my unspoken expectation was, and start the washer, which you would think would be the next logical step, but it's not in his brain and it is in mine. And our brains do not work the same way. So making sure we get very clear and saying, What does support look like to you in this moment? Support looks like I need to be reassured that you love me. I need to be reassured that you want me here. I need a hug. And even though I don't want to ask you to do it, because as especially as women, we all know that going, I don't want to have to tell you to get me flowers. I want you to just know. Um, Really getting out of that mindset. uh, Something I said on our last podcast episode that we listened to last night, some of it to kind of remember where we were at and refresh our memories is, I used to say, oh, we've been together this many years. We should know by now. We should know. But we are completely different people, even from last year, even from six months ago, even from whatever. And we never learned the healthy ways to do anything. And so how should we know? The answer is we don't, and we have to relearn. So I want him to get me flowers. And at some point in the future, he's going to know, Hey, uh, when she is experiencing these emotions, I know that support to her looks like X, Y, or Z. And if that changes, I have to let him know, but we're learning who each other is as adults. And that is a lot different. So even though we've been together 15 years, um, I still don't know a lot about Drew and I'm still really figuring out, especially like on a vulnerable emotional level, these things that we're evolving into and discussing now. We just got off couples therapy before this, an hour before this, and tried a new communication exercise, which went really well for us. And I think we're learning those constantly.
3: Mm -hmm. Having an opportunity as well to really put together, like I said, that plan and and being able to focus on individual growth as well uh, is pairing for us very, very nicely in um, our goals that we have as, as a, in our relationship as well. Right. So for a long time, um, I mean, we've been parents now for a very long time. That's a new title. That's a new responsibility. That's a new um, individual that we are, I guess, in a way, it's a
0: new, it's a new persona. It's a we new take person on.
3: that we take on, right. Uh, a different title. Like I can be, you know, Dad Andrew, right? Those two different entities. Those those may be two Andy different people.
0: Daddy, if you know what I mean. <laughs>
3: <laughs> All right. Uh,
0: <laughs> I'm the worst, I
3: know. <laughs> yeah. So, I'll, but again, the, these titles bring uh, a new, different version of you as a person, as an individual, and that person in, and individual is going to grow and change as well, right? How my advancement as a you know as a father. Uh, is totally different. I I parent now differently than I did a year ago, than I did five years ago, so forth and so on. So again, it it stands to reason, right, that every relationship that you have and every role that you experience in your life um, is going to continue to change and evolve and grow and being willing to adapt and learn and grow in the same direction is is something that uh, was very important for us.
0: I think not even in the same direction for us. We grow in opposite directions all the time. But I think at this point we have a solid foundation to where that's not as scary as it used to be. It's okay when we branch off. You know, I just imagine a big tree and we branch off a million times over and figure out what we like, what we don't like. Some branches are longer than other, and I've gone you know over longer. Some are short, and we say, "Oh, don't like that." But we always have that base and it's not as scary to grow anymore because we know that we there are going to be phases of our life, which we have encountered already multiple times that we are not compatible and that we don't work well together. And our purpose in those moments is not to try to, you know, get it back to being all romance, lovey, dovey, passion, whatever. Our role in that moment is to give each other the gift of grace and say, I know that we are always bonded and that we are always supportive of one another and we have no malicious intent. So grow whatever way you need to grow and we'll figure it out. It might not be pretty. And like we said before we got on this call with you guys is you know life's a shit show. And whoever says that it's easy and pretty and perfect, I'll show you a liar mm-hmm. because... It, stuff happens and you're not always going to be in fucking cloud nine there are many times where i have only let Drew survive the night because orange is not my color being a redhead i can't go <laughs> to prison for that <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's where that's the long and short of it <laughs> I, I
2: love i love so much of that and i think in there was a couple of things that i just wanted to maybe highlight one of is the incompatibility. Right. And, and so, um, I've helped produce, uh, Libby Simbach's podcast, making polyamory work. And she has a really great episode called the nine relationships of a modern marriage. And she talks about this where it's, um, you know, some of them are like eating or sleeping and, and like the sleeping one is a really easy one to pick up because, well, we, we have some friends who, uh, one of them has a partner where she's a really light sleeper and he snores. So they don't actually sleep together. They right. they they sleep in separate beds, but they are still partnered. And so it, it reminded me back of in the last conversation, you you two kept saying it's, it's us two versus the problem, right? And mm-hmm. if the solution to the problem is we get two beds in two different rooms and maybe we have to soundproof one of them, well, then we've solved the problem, but we didn't have to throw away the partnership right mm-hmm. and so I, I i just loved that
1: and the, and the acknowledgement that that changes over time mm-hmm. maybe the snoring changes over time maybe the sleeping arrangement Maybe somebody
2: gets their tonsils
1: removed yes <laughs> speaking <laughs> from experience <laughs> uh, he got his
0: tonsils removed palate shortened uvula clipped and they like went through and did all that because he was such a bad snore that i was like listen either we get separate bedrooms or you get fucking surgery he yep. got surgery, I got surgery. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we,
2: we we are we are a one uvula household as well so. yes. <laughs> <laughs> Real <Yep>. thing. Right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yep 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 um but so that 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 can that incompatibility you can find a solution for that time but then also recognize that that may change and you have to revisit things and that's part of being human that's part of being in a long-term relationship of like it end of doing a lot of personal growth on yourself throughout your life
2: well and that builds right on what you said too around change right on to what does support look like for you right now mm-hmm. right and i think your flower example is a great one right well when chloe's hurting in this way, flowers are a great solution to that or it's something that helps, right? Maybe not a solution, but I think this is where polyamory gets interesting because let's say Drew's got another partner who absolutely hates flowers. Why would you kill a flower just to put it in a flower shop and bring it to me, right? So you can't just assume, well, hey, person's hurt, get flowers, happy day.
0: Right.
3: Right. Absolutely. It's going to be different for, for everybody and what that support looks like could be any...
0: Different in every moment. Different in every moment, right? For one person. Yeah,
3: absolutely. So figuring out and and even asking that question, which again can seem clinical, but by the same token, it also gives you an opportunity to help yourself, right? Mm -hmm. To say, okay, am I solution-based, right? Rather than my immediate reaction may be
0: my solution based on my blah, blah, blah. Yeah.
3: My immediate reaction is, okay, let's fix it. Let's logically work through this together. Well, maybe sometimes it's an emotional, uh, solution instead where I just need to big hug and we'll just stand there and you can cry and that'd be great. And that's all, that's what you really needed in the moment. You don't need to hear me talking about how to fix it or what ways I think to fix it. It's just the emotional comfort, soothing piece. Um, and again, each situation could be wildly different and each individual's solutions, if you will, um, or what they're needing for support could vary at any time. I agree. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. I love too, you're, you've, you've said a few times where it sounds clinical. And I think this is a really important piece that I I love to touch on as well because we're in that stage too. We're in the clinical stage of some of these conversations and what I've learned is each time you have them, they become a little less clinical. They do, and because we're learning, right? You're learning to do a new skill, and when you learn to do a new skill, you get out the manual, you flip to the page. Okay, I say it just like this. Okay, close the manual. All right, Emma, what is it you need right now? And right, and you go through the steps. But then time two hundred, it's a little, it's a little softer. It's a little more yeah. natural. And I, now, yeah.
0: now we don't have to say before we used to pause and say, okay, I think this is a moment we need to practice an exercise. Mm-hmm. And then we would say, I want to practice this exercise. And it felt so clinical. It felt weird. And mm-hmm. like, this is what, and now, like I said, our house is, it sounds right out of a therapy book from both of our daughters, from each other. And we are big proponents of letting our kids see us disagree because we feel like children get to see so much of the time that their parents fight or argue, but they don't get to see the healthy uh, makeup. They don't get to see the resolution come out. So we let our kids be around and we speak to each other. We've done this since they were babies, but we sit crisscross applesauce and we would talk to each other how we would like a partner to speak to them and how they should speak to their partners. And that way they see it. And it is so cool to us that one day our eight year old came home and said um, that one of her friends, parents were divorcing. And I asked her, do you ever worry about that with mom and dad? And she said, no, because conflict is healthy and it's how you handle it. And I was like, cool. I'm really glad to hear that. Whereas I feel like our generation, we were terrified of our parents getting divorced. Now they all are. So yeah
1: yeah
2: yeah i appreciate just mm-hmm. everything that we jumped in i mean we jumped right into the deep end yeah, this conversation yeah. And i love it um
1: and i i have a quick question too like obviously we jumped right in and there's been so much growth uh i'm curious you know you mentioned couples therapy what other tools um have you uh embraced in the last few years for that personal growth? Because I'm sure some people are like, I want to learn these things. I'm trying to learn these things. Where How do I do that? And everyone's journey is different. Obviously, you can learn them in many different ways. But I was curious if you could expand on that a little bit.
3: Yeah, that's a great question. I think so for me personally, uh, I like to research, right? I want to read, um, you know, available resources on how to deal with uh, emotion and there are so many uh, great authors that have put out resources and material books, audio books, what have you that can give you another perspective on how to deal with what it is that you're dealing with. Similarly, like you said, we, we go to couples counseling. We also each see an individual therapist uh, because right self uh, that we like to think that there are three, three, three entities. Yeah. There's mm-hmm. me, there's her and there's us. Right. And so we have to make sure that all three of these entities are healthy, healthy. And so it, that starts also with self growth, right? If I'm not willing to work and change and do the, the, the work for me, um, then our us, uh, entity is going to likely struggle.
0: So I would like to piggyback on that. Uh, I feel like you gave a really great answer and I'm going to dive a little more into the specifics. I feel like some of the reading that has been really helpful to me for, you know, how do I do X, Y, or Z, or how can I learn about this? The book Polysecure is a really wonderful book. I feel like that offers, at times, a little too close to home to look (laughs) at what's going on, not only inside, but maybe with your partner, with their relationships all of that kind of stuff. I would also say that for me, parts work has been really, really helpful. And what I mean by that for anyone who is not familiar is understanding that every single experience you have, you are a different version of yourself and it compounds. And for me, uh, (laughs) I'll get into my silly little hippie thing right now. I call the voice in my head that Uh, holds all of those traumas for me and those uncomfortable emotions. Again, I don't like saying negative. I like saying uncomfortable and comfortable emotions because no emotions are bad emotions. I call that voice in my head, Rhonda. And I say, sometimes I need to say, shut the fuck up, Rhonda. And sometimes I need to say, okay, Rhonda, where are you coming from? What are you trying to protect me from? Because Rhonda exists because at some point there was a trauma that my body and my mind dealt with, and Rhonda decided this was an appropriate coping mechanism to help protect me. That coping mechanism is what got me through X, Y, and Z, right, wrong, or otherwise. And now I can say, okay, Rhonda, is that still applicable here? If not, can I ask you to step aside? Thank you for all you've done, and let's move forward through this coping mechanism into a new one. Um, and Drew's is Chad, and we we don't like to shut down Rhonda and Chad, but sometimes we need to say Rhonda's real fucking loud right now. And I need to take some time to go and talk with her. Um, (laughs) But but those have been really helpful tools for me personally on understanding myself, not treating that negative voice in your head, negative quote, unquote, um, that discomfort voice, that voice that holds that those protection mechanisms in your body and in your head. Um, they're not bad. They are there to help and love you and support you through this. And understanding where they're coming from helps you really understand, at least for me, the place where you've been. I think we discount that traumas happen every day and you don't always understand that the body does keep score. Another great book. Um, (laughs) uh, I think that learning that you
1: really are on your own team too,
0: is a helpful tool. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah.
1: I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for the, those answers and just being vulnerable in the responses as well. Um, Do you have anything more on that topic before we switch gears a little bit?
2: Not necessarily on that topic, but I think it's around change and maybe it's a good, a good spot to catch us up on what is, What's different about the relationship ecosystem that you two are existing in? Obviously, you're a few years older. Your kids are a few years older. But what what else is orbiting around you or with you right now?
1: That's where I was going to take it to. Good job. I knew.
3: (laughs) Yeah, I think that that's a a fair question. We have been... um, I guess trying to find time at times, it can be difficult uh, to where, you know, we're trying to set something up to, you know, either go to, um, Scarlet a, ranch. A, yeah. Say Good a, plug a, there a, the, <laughs> yeah, going, going to a lifestyle club or going to meet up with, um, you know, a, a couple, couple or on
0: a date or
3: what have you. So uh, it's tough to find time at times, right? I mean, we all have a life and what goes on in it and, Um, so making time I think can, um, be a struggle, a struggle at times. However, um,
0: it definitely can be, it's more of a priority for us at times than others. Definitely. Um, also as I'm guessing, this was what you guys were alluding to as well. My boyfriend, Phil from your episode, what was it?
1: 103. (laughs) We looked it up beforehand.
0: So, yeah, that's a, an amazing plug for you guys. I know last time we talked about the connections that we were able to make friend wise and other. And on um, one of your meet and greets, I met one of my really good friends, Jason, who I've now been friends with for three years. Talk on the phone regularly, get to, we've actually never met in person, um, but we get to love and support each other and talk about all these vulnerable things. And we met on your meet and greet, and it was amazing. And then, after the last podcast episode we did, I was going through and listening to a few other ones, and one of them really resonated with me, Claire and Phil's. And I just shot a message over, not thinking anything about it, because they live in San Diego and we live in Denver. And uh, I said, Hey, if you guys are ever in Denver, hit us up. And Claire was like, Yeah, add us on Cassidy so we can keep track of each other. Um, so I added on cast and I said, Hey, Phil, this is, you know, Chloe from NNM. And he was like, what? And we had a conversation and here we are almost three years later into dating. So got that from your podcast as well. <laughs>
2: <laughs> the gift that keeps on giving, <laughs>
0: really? yeah.
2: but that's a big transition though, to go from, and I know your, your trajectory has woven in partners and and more like swinging play parties but then partners and swinging and play parties and it it seems like it's still a bit of a potpourri of of both of those Mm -hmm. but three years into a partnership is no nothing to sneeze at and so how how has that transition gone for the two of you to well for the three of you I suppose or the four of you to foster those and support that that's a that's a whole different set of skills and tools to bring
3: that
1: not to mention a long distance relationship Mm -hmm. too, right
3: yeah it's another good question it has brought a lot of opportunity for vulnerable communication um
0: big emotions big
3: emotions because (laughs) you know what are we feeling and and how do we cope with uh and, and something that chloe alluded to right is how do we deal with those emotions and why are those emotions coming up right if feelings of Jealousy, uh, jealousy or inadequacy, inadequacy. Uh, whatever, what have you? Yeah, <laughs> what have you? Um, they stem from something else, and that gives each of us an opportunity to reflect and learn about ourselves in ways that we hadn't before, right? So again, it's a new opportunity, maybe a new feeling, maybe a new stimulus in some way, shape, or form um, that we get to address.
0: To give a less uh, appropriate answer, it's been a ride. Um, there have been amazing times and there have been really shitty times. Um, there have been good growth, m- mistakes, uh, feelings hurt, all kinds of stuff. And we are the first to admit that I, we're still always growing. I understand that, you know, Phil and I are almost. 3 years into our relationship but that doesn't mean that we have it all figured out and you know when when we started talking i thought it was kind of weird because i was like i'm not i'm not sure what's going on here what am i feeling for this person and so when i told drew about, you know, I think I'm having feelings for this person. And he's like, well, when is he flying here? Because I'm not sending you out to meet a serial killer. And, <laughs> um, and, and we'll
2: invite him into our home. We don't, we don't, we don't, <laughs>
0: yeah. we don't go, we don't play that. <laughs> um, yeah. So then he flew out two weeks later and, uh, I picked him up from the airport and straight away we went right to meet Drew for lunch. And I was like a damn sports forecaster. I was looking back and forth when they would talk. And I was like, I wish there was a manual. Like when your boyfriend meets your husband, what do you do? <laughs> <laughs> and you're sitting there with them. <laughs> right. And and like it was the most uncomfortable experience for me because I didn't know how to behave. Um, I didn't know I felt guilty because here I love both of these people. What do I do? I've never been taught or coached on how to show affection to more than one person without it being disrespectful. And um, it was a learning experience. And then talking to Drew about things. So how fill in my relationship works is one weekend every month or almost every month, we fly back and forth. Um, I'll either go to San Diego or he'll come to Denver and we spend one weekend a month together. Some months we have to skip if kids activities or, you know, whatever. And we adjust, but that's pretty much consistent and working through a lot of those things. How much does Drew want to hear about it? How much does he not want to hear about it? What does, you know, those boundaries in, Drew's and my relationship look like versus mine and Phil's? And how do they cross over and interact at times? And is that something we're okay with? We're not. Um, uh, meeting Phil's wife, Claire, um, again, uh, Emmanuel would have been so helpful of like, you're meeting your boyfriend's wife, now what? Uh, and at that, that weekend, I also met, so I met his wife and her boyfriend and his wife and her significant other. <laughs> And so it, it's very, it can be overwhelming and it really makes you process a lot of things. Um, and I think the biggest thing for Drew and I was talking through those and being vulnerable enough to not seem like we weren't trying to grow just by saying like, this, this makes me feel fear of abandonment. This makes me feel uncomfortable. This makes me feel sad. This makes me feel whatever. And learning that you're not necessarily asking for anything to change as much as you are acknowledging what's happening in your body and trusting your partner to talk to you about it and to Mm -hmm. like that you, you want to love them in those moments. Would you add anything to that?
3: Uh, Not specifically. Uh, I think that again, right. The opportunity is for growth and being put into new or uncomfortable situations allows for new opportunity for growth.
0: For sure, and it's not always fun. It's no. rare. It's rarely
1: ever fun. Actually.
3: <laughs> well, yeah, I say it. it's called like- <laughs> growing pains for a reason. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Uh, and I'm and I'm curious on your end, Drew. Have you had any other, um, I guess, partners or
2: or interest interests
1: in that or, or along the way?
3: Yeah, that is a good question. I would offer, yes, I have definitely had... Um, situationships? Uh, situationships, yeah, maybe <laughs> is a good way to put it. Um, but it's also very difficult um, and something that I'm sure has been talked about...
0: Five million five times. Five million old. times.
3: But being a uh, married man trying to find or date uh, you know, somebody who is single or maybe available uh, is, is very, very difficult in this day and age. Um, and so that I think was a a growing pain of mine, right. To try to get accept that uh, yeah, to, to accept kind of the way that the world is right. And, um, it, it can be very, very difficult at times when you feel, um, maybe feelings of loneliness or, um, feelings of inadequacy, right. Is I've, been trying to date, if you will. Um, and sometimes it doesn't go very well. And then now you have to look in the mirror and ask yourself, why is it not going well? Um, sometimes that can be very difficult, right? When you're looking yourself in the mirror to say you are not appealing or attractive or those kinds of negative thoughts, right? Where you're kind of self deprecating, uh, which is something that unfortunately I do very well. Uh, but regardless, yeah, absolutely. There are absolutely times where, um,
0: you've had situationships that have, that have
3: gone well and not definitely so well. not so well. And, uh,
0: Growing pains. That's, for a, that's a part us. of it. Yeah,
3: for yeah. sure. Well, and to some of
2: those, you know, those stories you tell yourself, whether they're true or not, I think that's the hard part to ever really tease out. Is this, is it something that's, Is it my, is it me? Is it my profile? Is it, or is it the situation? Is it the, the landscape of online dating? Is it my, like, there's so many reasons that it is what it is. And, and it's so easy though, to slip into a, I must be the problem versus I'm doing something really hard and, and there's just a big difference between those.
3: Absolutely. Right. The, the, the mountain is so high to climb that, mm-hmm. uh, you have to give yourself some grace if you don't get all the way to the top, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, I, I think that's amazing. And I think, you know, a question we asked you last time, um, and I think maybe it's appropriate here again, I mean, it's been two and a half ish years since we talked to the, the way you've, seeing each other grow and i know we kind of touched on this in the first part of this conversation but maybe just specifically you know drew how how have you seen sort of chloe grow or change evolve not necessarily grow but just yeah the, the evolution since then and and then flipping it back as well for chloe to drew
3: yeah that's a really good question and it's something that doesn't happen every day, right? you Every single day, you don't look over and think, "Wow, that's a stark change," right? Um, but it does definitely come in the moments that are presented in conflict most for us. I think is when we show our growth, um, when we show our progress most it is definitely in a time of conflict, because the way that we used to uh, conflict was World War Three, very unhealthy <laughs> in a lot of ways. <laughs> very, very unhealthy in a lot of ways. Um, and so thankfully now, even in those moments of conflict where you are experiencing big emotion, there is still a moment of recognition that we can have even in, you know, reflecting or looking back to say, wow, we, that conversation went so much better than it could have. (laughs) And we find ourselves saying that, a lot. More regularly than not. Um <laughs> nowadays. So that I think is a perfect example of when I see that growth and change and what that growth and change that I'm seeing is, is the ability to communicate under pressure um and in those spaces of uncomfortableness.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely rarely shout out fuck you anymore and walk away. <laughs> but uh, well, well
2: done, colleague. <laughs>
0: you also for your kind words babe um i think the biggest change that i have noticed in drew is his willingness to choose to trust me um most people think you know of course you trust each other you're married and blah 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 blah, blah, and you have to have all these things it's not the big things that i'm talking about it's the little things it's the as drew has coined um micro reinforcements. And, you know, whether it's like him saying, Hey, Chloe, you bought like six pairs of sweatpants and I'm going, yeah, that's all it was. Like it's a micro enforcement, encouraging distrust. And I think that he and I have both, we've sat down several times and said, what are your non-negotiables in this relationship? Am I able to meet all of those? Is somebody else willing to meet them? Like whatever those look like. His ability to say, even when my insecurities are talking to me, I am going to choose to trust you. And I am going to say to that insecurity, I hear you and I am choosing to trust her. I am letting her into that vulnerable space. And that's really difficult for him. And I mean that's difficult for most people. But I think with you, it has been a, a really large journey. And you've done a phenomenal job at choosing to be vulnerable and trust me when everything inside you wants to protect you.
3: For
2: sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and this is not to paint you as the villain, Chloe, but they're right, you've you've shared examples that have probably reinforced that distrust or made that trust harder. Right. And so coming, coming back around on that is, that's a huge, that's a huge shift.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that, you know, we had a conversation just the other day about, um, about previous like infidelity and stuff. And I am, we both are very big on taking accountability and responsibility for things. And, you know, Drew wholeheartedly admits his part in that and I wholeheartedly mm-hmm. admit mine. And even at this point, I don't refer to it as a mistake because it mm-hmm. legitimately is what saved our marriage. Um, mm-hmm. That does not mean that I don't feel remorse for the sure. pain it caused and whatnot. But we discussed it just the other day because I don't even remember how it came up, but it was something where i said you know feeling like you're going to get crucified for a decision you make at at any point in your life and that's going to follow you that's a really hard pill to swallow and he said it's so funny because in these moments i don't feel like i'm crucifying you as much as i'm crucifying myself for having these big emotions still pop up and i was like that's incredibly valid like that's and that gives a whole new perspective because i never would have thought you know what? Like my, my narrative that I was creating in my head was, Oh, he's crucifying me for X, Y, and Z. But in actuality, he was like, she has done nothing but show me that she has evolved and, and I can trust her. So I'm mad at myself for experiencing this big emotion that I feel like I should be over and realizing that logic doesn't always match up with emotions. I think has been something that we are working on heavily and allowing two things to be true at the same time. You can forgive me and I can forgive you. That doesn't mean that we still don't hold that place in our heart that remembers and feels hurt. Mm
3: -hmm. Mm -hmm. And and I think to piggyback on on that just a little bit and, and something that we've been discussing is the differentiation between your logic brain and your emotions, right? Those two things are so wildly different. And, and when you're talking to yourself, it can be very difficult to turn off that logic piece to say, Stop. okay, how am I, how am I rationalizing this? You know, what, what am I convincing myself of using my logic side rather than just genuinely sitting in
0: the discomfort, in the
3: discomfort and emotion, like there doesn't have to be words that are affiliated with it, or a reason, or a rationale. It, doesn't it can just be. Sense.
0: It can just be. um In our house, we—I apologize for cutting in. Oh, no, that's all right. No, no. Um, uh, in our house, we use—and I'm sure you've heard us use this 500 times on this call alone—we use big emotions instead of identifying a lot of specific emotions, and we do that for a specific reason. Because when you're feeling things. You don't need to be thinking um, about how to, to reason with yourself. You can just sit there and say, I'm having big emotions. And with our daughters, we encourage them not to name any emotion until after they have allowed themselves the space to have an emotional response, a nervous system response. And once their body is back at their equilibrium, then looking back and saying, okay, now i can identify there was some anger in there there was some sadness maybe some resentment or whatever and i can talk through it understand it and then i can set up a plan for next time that happens and learning how to do that with each other it we still are learning how to do that heavily every day and some days we like we're like nailed it other days we're like holy shit this
3: yeah, isn't working yeah that did not go well yeah <laughs> yeah yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> what you just described is very relatable i'll just i'll just say that like yeah. well i
2: i mean i i could go a little deeper on it if if you're good with it because i think there's so some things in there that came up that i that are very relatable and that yeah. we're working through as well and one one that i wanted to just say right up front is chloe your point of um you know not getting crucified over something and and you know me kind of saying well yeah, I can see how rebuilding that trust would be hard considering what happened, but that, you know, not 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 intending to put that on you as you did that right and you kind of said, well, there were, you know, Drew Drew takes responsibility for his pieces of that. And I think this is a this is an exercise we've done and actually tried to stop doing is, you know, you could try to find the beginning of that thread, right? But you will never find it cuz every time Chloe's like, well, you did this, Drew, and Drew's like, why did it because you did this? Why did that because you did this? Why did? And you could sit there for 24 days, mm-hmm. and you would never find the beginning of who started this. And it's
1: also all based on memory, which is another thing. And perceptions, because and perceptions. Perceptions. our truths are not always
0: the same. We will have a conversation mm-hmm. and say, my truth is this, and instead of defending yourself to say, I believe you. I believe that, and I can empathize with those big emotions. Do I agree with you? No, my truth is different. How I interpreted that is different. That doesn't mean that you're wrong. It means that two things can be true at the same time. And all I'm asking for is empathy, which can be really hard to do when you're also experiencing those big emotions.
3: Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think that, uh, that, that perception and people's ability to interpret is so wildly different. And, and I guess I'll just speak to our experiences. Um, so Chloe and I do not think alike. Not in at all. Almost any way. No. Uh, we are arguably stark opposites in 100. almost every facet. So we can read a single line of text And we will come up with two wildly different conclusions, even though we're reading the exact same 10 words, if you will.
0: But we turned it into a game now. So what we like to do is we'll be watching a TV show together and um, we'll pause and be like, what do you think the direction this is going to go? And like, he will say his and I'll say mine. And we'll be like, what the fuck? I didn't even think of that as a possibility. And then the other thing we tried to do, we started playing the stupid, like, block game right um on our phones it's just a little block game and we challenged each other to play it the way that the other one plays so drew sits there playing this game and he thinks about every single move and it takes him two minutes to make a move because he's thinking about the potentials possibility and i'm just sitting there like here we go everywhere (laughs) And so we challenged each other. Okay. I want you to think about your moves and I want you to not sit there and think about them and just enjoy it. Like, and what we realized was, oh my gosh, after a night of doing this, we did it for about an hour and he said, well, what do you think of it? And I said, this feels exhausting. It doesn't even feel fun. It feels so draining. And it feels like I'm just like, why would I choose to do this? And he goes, that's how I feel about everything. I feel like I think it through so hard that it is draining and I am emotionally drained from doing it. And that's where I'm starting at. That's I'm not raising up to it. I'm starting there. So if you could develop empathy for that's my starting point of feeling emotionally drained because I've thought of this six ways till Sunday. And that's where I'm at. And I said, well, okay, that's a great thing to know how did you feel? Like, did you have fun? And he was like, no, I felt so much anxiety over like, okay, well, what if this happens? What if this happens? And like, I just had to swipe and go. And he goes, it felt so uncomfortable. And it felt like I was going to crash and burn it at any minute. And even though there was no consequences to it, it really made me feel a lot of uncomfortable pieces. And I was just like, interesting because when I do it, I'm like, this is fun. This is exciting. I don't know what's going to happen. And he's like, I want to know what's going to happen, though. I want an expectation. And I'm like, but do you need it? And he's like, yes. Yes, I do.
3: <laughs> to the point where we're s- both staring at the same game. You know, this is supposed to be fun.
1: I was <laughs> <You know? laughs> just trying to do like two hours of therapy. <laughs> yeah. <right. laughs> yeah. But a really important lesson. And growth in both of you and understanding the other person. And that point is extremely relatable as well. Like we've also discovered that we think about pretty much everything in about the polar opposite way as well. Um, Because it's a trend, right? (laughs) Yeah. And developing, like learning about how your partner, like what their baseline is. And then Mm -hmm. having empathy that that's their starting point and it's very different from yours it it takes practice and time but it's so so powerful and I would
3: offer, yeah i would offer that em- empathy is one of the most difficult uh emotions uh, is it if it is an emotion i it guess is. yeah i i think empathy is one of the most difficult emotions for for people to um, master in a lot of ways, right? Or to at least experience because truly putting yourself in that situation and trying to relate from their perspective can be very, very difficult, especially in conflict where if there's conflict, it, it you know, theoretically it's my team versus your team and there's conflict and we're fighting and arguing. So instead of combating each other, we're trying really hard to jo- join their each side other yeah. th- of
0: a different perspective right. or of their truth.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I think that, you know, for us at least it has been a, an experience of, we don't say obviously anymore, if at all possible, because Drew used to say things like, well, obviously I meant this. No fucking obviously about it. I have no clue what are talking about. And it didn't occur to me just like it didn't occur to you to start the damn washing machine. Like full circle. Here we go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah. yeah,
2: I love that. Those, those examples were just uh, very close to home. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I like, think this
1: whole like tangent started because you were talking about um, experiences we've had. And
2: well, yeah. And, and one of those I think is still relevant to what we're talking about was around Um, when the emotions, emotions, Mm -hmm. yes, when the, and when the emotions come up that, I guess I'm going to maybe project into here because there's some things that we've had happen over the last few years that have brought to light a lot of resentment and distrust. Mm -hmm. And what happens is when I get to a place where I'm triggered, activated, whatever word you want to use my ability to not use those as unfortunately weapons, right? They come up, well, Mm -hmm. you did this, you did this, you did this, you did this. And it's like, yeah, that was a long time ago or what? And, and, and then I'm like, well, but you did it last week and you, and right. And I can find all of the ways to twist it, but being able to, in those moments that you're feeling that say, this is that time I need to go for the walk. This is the time I need to go do whatever. I need to go jump in the shower. As Drew said, right. I need to go do my thing. So I can come have this conversation without all of the shit that just bubbled up, but we can talk about the real stuff under it because it's it it does nothing but reopen those wounds, right. And for somebody who right, Chloe, you've done an immense amount of work to move through, move past, heal, take ownership of these things, and then to have them brought back up three years, four years, five years later. The same thing for Emma, right? I bring them up and it's like, well, Jesus, that was 15 years ago. And, Mm -hmm. and like, I don't need to bring that up, but in the moment it's a, it's It's quick to go to it.
1: Well, it's a defense mechanism for you. Yeah. Yeah. And so
2: I think that just that ability to say, this is a thing that's come up. Could I, I could say the shitty thing or I could go take a walk and I can talk in an hour about this in a calmer way about the real problem. And Those are not easy skills. And and, because you have to do it, you have to do something that's unnatural while you're fired up, while your partner's probably fired up, and you have to be able to walk out of it, go do your self-care and come back to it. Good luck. It's
0: hard. And I think that that's the easiest way to put it is it's hard and it's difficult. And is it obtainable? Sure. Yeah. But it takes so much practice. And like we said, the first, like what, six months of learning those new phrases was so, it felt just awkward. And I was like, is this even worth it for us? Um, Because it did feel so uncomfortable. And today, even, like I said, we were on couples therapy about an hour before this, and we tried a new communication exercise because I am very much able to articulate what's going on in my head and heart. And when they differentiate what I'm feeling, Drew is more quiet and an internal processor. Um, The exercise that we just did in therapy that we both really liked was when you identify that big emotion and that uncomfortable emotion, identifying where it's at in your body. And normally for me, it is like right in at the end of your sternum. And it just feels like a, like that's where I feel that uncomfortable emotion. And that's where Drew was feeling it too. So I turned to him, I put my hand on the spot where he felt it. And I looked him in the eyes and I repeated words to him that we had agreed on that like, this is what's coming up when I'm having these uncomfortable emotions. Here's what you could say to combat them. Do I believe them? Am I able to take them in all the time? No, not all the time, but sometimes I do. And if we do it enough times, if you tell me enough times, uh, Chloe, you are an actress, I'm going to start trying out for movies. <laughs> like, and eventually you're going to believe that you are enough, that you are loved, you are safe, you are secure. I care about your emotions and this is important to me. And choosing to reinforce those things in those moments, not talking about the context at all. Our therapist has, same therapist as we've been seeing now for four plus years or four years, Um, she has helped us identify that a lot of the times the context gets in the way of what's really going on. Is it the issue from 15 years you're upset about? Probably not. But the last time you remember feeling that big emotion or one of the times you remembered is what's really driving it, that emotion behind it and saying, I'm holding resentment right now and it's making me remember every time that I felt like this and I am having a hard time not trying to make you feel guilty for it or bad because I don't know how to handle this and I need to get it out some way.
3: And there are going to be times where you, I think each individual person needs to offer their, themselves some grace because oh, you sure. can be the most practiced uh, individual at these mechanisms or, or practices that are trying to help or soothe or comfort uh, or communicate. But there are going to be times where
0: you roll out a bed Listen, roll I'm right
3: triggered out. and I'm my top completely blew off. I cannot communicate effectively right now. And we have said that exact same thing to each other so many times where, listen, I know you want to talk about this. Yes. You see that I'm clearly triggered, um, but I can't talk to you right now. Like I I can't communicate effectively. And I think that that's okay to be able to say that because it's only going to, you know, do more damage. If you really just try to, you know, wing it, (laughs) it's, it's only going to cause more hurt and damage.
0: Right. Uh,
3: So what I'm saying is, Having that plan and being willing to execute that plan that still provides the stability for all parties to say, okay, I know that at some point we'll get back to it. Right? It's not, I'm triggered and I leave and we'll never talk about it again. That's not healthy.
0: It's, I will check in with you in an hour. Yep. I will, Let's continue this. I need a day to think about this. I want to sleep on it. I whatever. But our plan is in place. And the other thing is I used to expect an apology from Drew when we would argue and he'd be like, I'm, my emotions are past a six right now. I am not able to communicate effectively. And then when we would reconvene, I'd be like, are you sorry you weren't able to communicate effectively? Is that what you're going to tell me? But the thing is, now I realize what I was really looking for was just acknowledgement that I will say to him, do acknowledge that the way that we communicated before you identified that you were triggered um, or whatever word you want to use. Um, that that's not the way we want to choose to communicate to each other. And yes, I acknowledge that. Cool. I don't need an apology. You were doing the best you could with the information you had at the time with the emotional stressors that I am going to try to empathize with and realize that I trust you to do your best and that I'm choosing to trust you because you know after 15 years together, there's a lot of instances where we've broken each other's trust, where we have put each other in situations that were very emotionally draining and painful. And um, we could sit here and go back and forth all day and try to yank that string until we figure it out. But it's not helpful. So saying that, you know i'm I'm choosing to trust you, even though I have past experience saying otherwise, even though I'm feeling insecurities, even though Rhonda's telling me like Mm-mm, not today, um to to be able to say, that I choose to trust you and I am going to actively talk back to Rhonda and say, we are choosing a different path.
3: And that's not easy. No, it's not ever going to be easy. It's very difficult to do. So again, I would offer, give yourself some grace too when it doesn't go right, because that doesn't mean that you're not trying. It doesn't mean you're not doing everything that you know how to the best of the ability that you're trying. But
0: sometimes I do check in with you and vice versa saying, right. Hey, um, I need reassurance in this moment. Again, those unspoken expectations, I need reassurance in this moment that you're trying your best to communicate with me, that you're trusting that I'm trying my best to communicate with you. And mm-hmm. sometimes it just looks like, yes, this is me trying my best. And sometimes it yeah. looks like, you know what? Nope. I need a minute.
2: Yeah. <laughs> well, I I love that. And I, I think, and and we we don't I don't know maybe we don't often offer advice but I think there's a piece here there's something that we've been doing
1: we Be- probably offer advice more than we think we maybe do, maybe we I don't do know. We, we do it
2: covertly I don't but know. Th- there's something in here that we've been doing because this thing that we're talking about is very real for us we've mm-hmm. we've been caught in some really hard places the last while and what we've we, those moments right where it's hey I need to step away because yeah I'm above a six and the shit's about to blow off right we've actually started celebrating that rather than expecting the apology it's so hey, cool we fought we fought for 2 hours tonight not 2 days right and so mm-hmm. we we've been celebrating those wins <laughs> And,
1: and it's hard to do in the moment again, but like later uh, coming back two but coming hours of that yeah. night when
2: we lay down to go to bed, the fact that we can lay down together and go to bed and talk about it versus we're still mad and we're going to be mad tomorrow. And we might be mad on Wednesday. We've, we've been able to say, you know, the two hours of discomfort or the hour that was really hard, where I went for a walk and you were at home and we were most blah, just completely unhinged mm-hmm. but that lasted an hour that didn't last two or three days and then we did it different. So we did, we still get to where we didn't want to be. We did, but we didn't hang out there. We didn't set up camp and we didn't live there. We visited it. We got the fuck out of it. And we said, we know we can't be here and
1: mm-hmm.
2: we know how to not be here, but it's going to be pretty ugly for a little bit versus really ugly for a lot of it.
3: But it's so worth it right then. That I think is mm-hmm. the, the trick is conflict. It's going to happen. Is going to happen. But being able to appreciate the conclusion, if that makes sense, you're mm-hmm. you're in such a better place. You've learned now something about not only yourself but perhaps the other person that is that you can now take with you forward.
0: So I would like to share a moment that we had a couple months ago where. Um, we were sitting on the couch and we were upset with each other and I was crying. I'm a crier. And, um, and I said, Drew said, okay, let's, let's just get whatever you need to off your chest. I can see you're holding a lot of big emotions. Is there something you just want to say that's going to help you feel better? And, and then I did the same to him and he said, I feel really defeated in this moment and I feel Really sad that you know we've been together fifteen years and we're still dealing with x and I said so interesting and fascinating that you feel that way, and i want to I want to dive into that more, but what my thought process was is after fifteen years, we've evolved to dealing with x. there's always going to be whatever X is. However, we're sitting on the couch and talking to each other in a calm manner about this, and respecting each other and not calling names and not swearing at each other and not storming out um, silent treatment, whatever. And I said, my brain goes to, I'm so fucking grateful that I have chosen a husband that wants to grow. And it doesn't mean that X is never going to happen again. It means that each time we visit X, we identify it sooner. We work through it sooner. We, like you said, we don't live there. We say, oh, yep, this is human nature that he's not going to start the fucking washer. And I know it's a big deal. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Couldn't tell. Um, I could not tell. <laughs> I'm
0: really covert. Um, but. There's going to be times where you experience whatever because you're a human being and those are healthy emotions. All emotions are healthy emotions. It's just unhealthy and healthy ways to handle them. And learning healthier ways might look like going from two days to two hours. And sometimes it feels defeating to say, well, we still fought about it. Well, shit. I mean, look at so many different areas of life. Like you ran through a stop sign. Next time, maybe you ran through the stop sign on accident, or you had a rolling stop. You still did better than you did last time. And it's just a process
2: i will I would offer though Chloe, and this is what I picked up on this a few minutes ago when when you were talking about the block game and the way drew approaches the block game i i I am drew in many ways here, and so <laughs> when i when I said that we celebrate the two hour fight over the two day fight, that celebration process for me, that's a new, um, that was the conversation we would have is very similar where Emma would be like, well, I'm, I'm happy that, you know, we fought in a different way. And I was very much that person stuck there going, well, we shouldn't be fighting at all. Perfection is the only answer. And, (laughs) and then it's having to rewind and go, well, if I ever want to get to perfect, we have to celebrate somewhere along the way because no one's going to have the the stamina or the interest in working towards perfection with me if it's not fun. And not that fighting is fun, but it's a whole lot less shitty if you get to celebrate little wins here and there. And I've had to I've had to completely change how I
3: approach those absolutely.
0: I think with Drew, that's something that he also he's like, well, you're just an optimist. And I'm like, no, I'm just really grateful for the opportunities that I have because how many people would have given up on this a long-ass time ago? And he thinks perfection is the only way as well. That hits very close to home for him. Um, and I think that I always tell him, I look for progress, not perfection, because I don't believe in perfection. I, I think that perfection is an idea that you set in your mind to constantly disappoint yourself because it's unachievable, unattainable. There's never going to be a day where we don't fight about like, I mean, obviously we don't fight every day, but like if he is in a mood and I say something wrong and he snaps at me, like that happens or vice versa. It's there's never going to be a day where we don't fight at all or don't disagree at all or whatever for you know, the rest of our lives. And truthfully, I'm so thankful for that because he offers me different perspectives on things and helps me empathize with individuals who don't think the same way and realizing that they don't think the same way instead of being like, well, of course, uh, like everyone thinks like me, but obviously we've learned that's not exactly true.
2: (laughs) And for some reason, it took some of us into our mid thirties to figure that out. Here so. we
0: are, and here we are. <laughs> yeah.
2: But Hey, Drew, we're on the path to perfection. About it, okay. I can feel yeah. it.
3: <laughs> <laughs> and the other thing, we're gonna get there. We're
1: not. I know, <laughs> I, know. I, know. I know we are <laughs> But you can think you are. <laughs> we got
2: to try. Yeah. Yeah. You got to
1: keep. You can keep and, pushing for it. And
0: see, I think like perfection to me, I look at it and I see. Perfection is having somebody who's willing to grow uncomfortably with me. Perfection is having someone who will forgive me when I mess up or when I make hurtful decisions. Perfection is having someone who will fall in and out of love with me a million times a day and still say you're worth doing whatever for you're worth, whatever this relationship, this commitment is worth it. And whatever that looks like, whether it looks like we need to go back to being friends right now, or maybe for a day or two, we need to be roommates or, you know, romantic love or, you know, kinky shit or parents or whatever. This person wants to be my partner in all areas and they're willing to play a different role and learn and evolve with me, and that's to me what's most important. I don't give a shit if you communicate effectively a hundred percent of the time because I'm not going to. And you know, I don't give a shit if you are, you know, doing everything right because then I'm going to get ignored or annoyed that you're perfect. So <laughs> you can never win. <laughs> yeah. <thanks.
2: laughs> yeah. Yeah, I uh, I have recognized that lately. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think there's one piece in here that I want to offer to to anybody listening who maybe is dealing, who who deals personally with perfectionism, and also who is partnered with somebody who does. And I think, and maybe Drew, is this relate if if you can relate to this part of the bringing up all the shit that that maybe emma did wrong or that you did wrong that that has caused a hurt it it's like to drew's point playing the black game it's exhausting right it's exa- the way he plays the black game is exhausting for him but it's the only way he can do it and when you never forgive yourself for all of your mistakes it's really easy to hold on to everybody else's as well
3: 100 percent, and i think you're exactly right to say Sometimes the most difficult piece isn't identifying all of the flaws, or I'm going to use flaws in air quotes, mm-hmm. but uh, identifying all of the flaws, mistakes, or past traumas. It's looking in the mirror and realizing your own individual uh, self-loathing. self-loathing, self-trauma, the traumas that you've experienced, and dealing Unhealed with it parts. yourself. Yeah, and and so much progress. I think as as we mentioned earlier in terms of the three entities, right? Um, There's two selves and an us. And sometimes working on self is the most important thing that you can do for us.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
3: Totally.
2: Which I think is is very poignant considering what you two discussed in previous conversations was you started individually in therapy Mm -hmm. for quite a while before you brought in the teamwork. And I think that's really Really critical, and we've we've experienced something similar where you can show up to couples therapy all day long, but if you're still stuck, if I'm still stuck in these mindsets, we're just going to keep bashing our heads together and just paying two hundred dollars an hour to do it instead of doing it for free, right? And (laughs) so, yeah,
3: exactly.
0: Yeah, and I will offer too. One of the difficult things that I've encountered with polyamory too is that my relationships, like we talked about, having different. Expectations, support, communication styles, or whatever. I will notice that when Drew is upset, um, it puts a, a more shining light on things with Phil. And when Phils and I aren't doing well at things, I notice that I lean more into Drew. And um, it's very interesting to see how that evolves and the evolution of. I suppose, learning how to navigate all of those different relationships and then still keeping my version of self and my version of Mm -hmm. Chloe and Drew and my version of um, Mm -hmm. Chloe and Phil. Mm
1: -hmm. It's incredibly difficult.
2: Yeah, no, that's being able to keep, yeah, to maintain your sense of self when you're in one partnership is a challenge doing it when you're in multiple is even more of a challenge and yeah Mm -hmm. totally yeah
1: Yeah. no it's so much of what we've discussed today is incredibly difficult (laughs) and challenging and having like the theme really is like have some grace for yourself like embrace these learning opportunities and growth processes in yourself and in your partners, but recognize that it is not easy and things are really, can be really challenging. So
2: I I think one of the things that I just wanted to point out here after talking to you for almost 80 minutes is that so very little of, because Emma just made the comment, right? That this is hard and we've said this is hard, but I think very little of what we've talked about today is or has really anything to do with non-monogamy right what what we have been talking about are things that have been happening in our partnership for years and years and years and years and years probably since day one that we've been packing down and building a foundation on that is not a great foundation but we didn't know any better and now we're figuring out a different way did non-monogamy play a role in that probably it probably was something that shone a light on it it's not the only thing that could have shown the light on it, but that was the thing for us. Seemingly that was the thing for you too. And then we went to work on the stuff for our partnership that would have been there, non-monogamy, monogamy, whatever relationship dynamic. It was going to be here. It was, it was waiting for us when we got ready to face it. And we finally started to face
0: it. Yeah, we agree. 100%. I always say that, monogamy you have the exact same issues in monogamy it's just a lot easier to sweep them under the rug because you can avoid a lot of them whereas Mm -hmm. in ethical non-monogamy of any sort whether it's swingers poly open whatever it forces you to have to take really hard looks and that's not fun but I can tell you that I'm more fulfilled in our marriage and our relationship because of it. I feel more connected to Drew. I feel when those times that I am falling in love with him, I'm seeing him and I believe I'm seeing him. And I don't love him despite his our differences or his feelings of big emotions that are really uncomfortable. I love him because I feel like I know the real him. And even when we're arguing, I trust that he's going no. to be real with me and he doesn't have to stay with me. That's one of the things that I think a lot of times people say, well, monogamy, you know, they're stuck with me they're whatever. And I used to have a really similar viewpoint. And that was one of the things that um, I actually realized really heavily in my relationship with Phil too, is because I don't want Drew or Phil to be stuck with me. I want to love them unconditionally. And that means with or without me. And that means whatever that path looks like for you. And that could mean that Drew will divorce me and, you know, tomorrow, whatever. And that's okay. I want that. I don't want to be in a relationship with someone who doesn't want to be with me. And same thing with Phil, you know, we don't even live in the same city. He could ghost me tomorrow. And, I want him to be happy and I want to be wanted and appreciated because of who I am, not because you have a piece of paper that ties you to me.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that as well. Um, And thank you both for this pretty deep and vulnerable conversation we've been having today. Obviously, so much of it has been relatable to us as well and um, hopefully to many of the listeners. And I think Uh, I have one more comment and then, and then a last question and we'll wrap up. Um, I want to note too, that so many of these skills, as Finn was saying, like not specific to non-monogamy also so many of these skills, as you practice and learn, they can enhance your relationship. But as you're working on yourself as well, like those three entities, you can apply those to any other relationship in your life as well. And, you know, coworkers, family, other friends, Mm -hmm. parenting, Mm -hmm. all of it. And, uh, as you two demonstrated with your kids, some too, like it's so, these are skills that are so valuable, uh, even though they're difficult and hard to learn and take a lot of practice and all of those things. Um, but my, my question is, I'm curious, what are each of you like looking forward to excited about in your relationship or for yourselves moving forward?
3: Hmm. That's a really good question. (laughs) What am I looking forward to? I'm looking forward to growing old uh, because this person is the person that I want to spend the rest of my life with Um, because we're going to continue to grow. And as we continue to grow, we're going to continue to get better. Um, And the good times are great times. Um, And I think that as long as, and I think with every, any relationship, uh, as long as most of it's pretty awesome, that's a pretty good win. You know, I think uh, not everything's going to be great. Not everything. There's always going to be you know, um, it's always going to ebb and flow in some way, shape, or form. So, as long as when it ducks down a little bit or when there's conflict, that uh, you know, as Chloe mentioned, when when you're willing to believe in the trust of growth. Um, and believing in that person, um, it's worth fighting for.
2: I like that. I love it. Not a very perfectionist answer, but okay. I <laughs> know. You're willing to accept imperfection. I love it, Good Drew. <laughs> I'm learning. Good i love it. I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah.
0: I would say the thing that I am looking forward to in our relationship is, continuing to watch you realize your value and your significance and how much... I always tell you that you are one of the most beautiful souls that I have ever encountered. And I really think that one day you're going to truly feel that within you. And I'm really excited to see how much that grows and helps our relationship grow. Um, And then having me be able to receive that back from you. I think that's exciting at that prospect to me. I think in myself, um, what I am excited at in myself is realizing slowly that I have a lot of areas that even though I've done a shit ton of work and I'm going to continue to, I still have a lot of unhealed wounds. And the safer I feel in my relationship with Drew, I feel more capable of tackling those uh, unhealed portions. And learning to work through those and continuing to reparent myself in the way I deserve is... Something that I really appreciate because it gives me a whole new sense
1: of calmness within.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, I it. Yeah.
1: No, thank you both. And yeah, I don't have any <laughs> more words. I don't have any more words other than thank you both. And we are so incredibly grateful for the to know the both of you that we've had, you know, to have this follow-up conversation even a few years later. And we you know. survived
2: a pandemic together. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right?
1: yeah. Yeah. Somehow. And we haven't even yeah. had sex yet.
0: Well, guys
2: <laughs> episode 600, just around the corner. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, by that time.
3: Yeah. And thank you very much for having us. It, it is uh, always a great experience for us to come on the show and talk with you guys again. It, it, it feels real. Yeah. And, it, and, and, and it's uh, yeah. a great opportunity to share, um,
0: well, and like I said, we listened to uh, um, parts of our old episode to see where we were at, and it was cool because sometimes you get so caught up in the day-to-day that you forget how far you've really come. And you know those silly memes that they say, like, growth doesn't look linear. It looks mm-hmm. like this. But when you're in it, you're like, this is stagnant. I've plateaued. We're not doing anything. We're not growing or whatever. And then you look back two and a half years later and you say... Holy shit, this is where we hoped we would be. And now we are continuing to go further.
2: I love it. Yeah. That was amazing. I think that, if everyone's good, is a wonderful place to say, I would agree. Perfect ending. (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) No, it's the fucking perfect ending. We've achieved a perfect I thought we were ending. getting
1: rid of perfection. No,
2: you got to give me a little perfection. That was the perfect Just, <laughs> Just, okay, a tinge,
1: okay. Okay. Just a tinge. Just a tinge. Just a tinge.
2: Well, thank you both, and and we will do it again for sure.
0: Episode six hundred. I'm counting on it.
2: <laughs> or before. Or before. Or, or before. before. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Love it.
1: And, and we're, we're back. back.
2: Way to celebrate together.
1: Celebrating episode 300. Yep. We were talking earlier about how do you celebrate on a podcast? It's tricky.
2: It is. So we're going to go and eat some of the apple fritter that we bought three days ago, and we're still trying to eat because it weighed as much as Emma's (laughs) head.
1: Because it was so big. And
2: best news, we had two of them, actually. So we're, (laughs) we're... We've just been sustaining completely this weekend on apple fritters. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) That's how we celebrate. Actually, we were celebrating our our wedding anniversary.
1: It was. Apparently, this uh, weekend we celebrated with apple fritters.
2: Yep. (laughs) 11 years, that's the apple fritter anniversary.
1: (laughs) Anyway.
2: Back to Chloe and Drew. (laughs)
1: Thank you, Chloe and Drew, for everything. We're so grateful for both of you and... Like, thank you for coming on the podcast three times and for being so vulnerable and open with everything that you shared. I just am so in awe of the two of you.
2: Yeah. And also, I think if you remember just not that long ago, because you just listened to this episode, Chloe talked about meeting her partner, Phil, on and also meeting some other people via our virtual meet and greets. Those are not gone forever, but they are gone for the rest of this month and they'll be back in September. Correct. Just wanted to make that note. For yes. anybody who was like, hey, how do I meet awesome people all the way across the country and fall in love with them and then be in a relationship?
1: Yeah, come you, to our virtual meet You meet.
2: just wait a little while or join our community. Join the
1: community. There you go. said that's, that's a good segue. A reminder, go to our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com. You can find podcast show notes there, links to the community, links to the community weekly groups, links to on the resources page, stdcheck.com, and contact us all there on our website And with that, next week, we have an interview with Jeannie. It's wonderful. So come back and listen. Do you have anything else to add?
2: I was just going to say the other thing you could do on that website is get yourself a Give Love t-shirt.
1: Oh, yeah. There's a lot.
2: Right on that homepage. Yeah, it's a one-stop shop for anything (laughs) you could ever want. Watch out, Google. We're coming for you.
1: Watch out, Amazon.
2: Amazon. Here we go.
1: (laughs) We got a long way to go.
2: We got another 300 episodes to go at least.
1: (laughs) At least. Alright. All we better right. we better stop before we go down more rabbit holes.
2: All right, everybody, we will see you in one week, but until then, take care of yourselves, take care of each other.
1: Bye everyone. Thanks for listening.